So let's reflect on the motivation a bit. Now they always uh, tell us to rejoice at the virtues of others and especially at the virtues of uh, the holy beings as well as ordinary beings. And so I always rejoice at the, the virtues of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, you know, making so many offerings and manifesting so many different forms in this different directions to benefit sentient beings. But what always seems really wonderful to rejoice at is the virtue of ordinary people who are taking a really positive step in their life. You know? Because when you think about us ordinary beings and you know, we've sat together for three weeks and we've talked about our stuff, haven't we? <laughs> you know, in very open ways and shared it with each other and acknowledged it uh, to ourselves. And so having done that, then for the mind to be able to say, okay, you know, that all happened and I learned something very important from it and now I want to put my energy in another direction. And I think that's what's um, so just astounding and rewarding about what you people are doing and, you know, what all of us as ordinary beings are doing. Because I think for the the bodhisattvas, you know, I think it must be much easier to create merit, you know, because they've trained their minds for so long. We're just kind of stumbling along. And uh, for us to, to come to a very clear, um, constructive conclusion is really very major, you know. That's a major thing in our lives, considering what we've been doing up until now. So I think it's something really to be, uh, to be very much rejoiced at, yeah. So I appreciate very much what all of you are doing. It's, it's really quite wonderful. Um, and the thing, you know, you're taking refuge. This is the refuge ceremony and then with it, um, precepts. And so some of you are taking all five precepts. Some of you are taking five precepts with celibacy. And then one of you is taking the eight celibacy with the eight precepts. But I think whatever anybody is doing is really fantastic. And it's um, such a good way to direct our body, speech, and mind in the future. You know? um, and by doing this, it just sets such a strong foundation for our Dharma practice and also for a happy life. Because, you know, we've all had lots of experiences, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> and then if we ask, you know, where has the happiness come from in our lives? I don't think somebody would say, well, it happened when I killed so-and-so, or it happened when I stole their stuff, you know, or it happened when I hurt their feelings for during a improper sexual relationship, or it happened when I lied to them, or it happened, you know, when I got drunk. Or stoned. I don't think anybody would say that. That's just even talking this life. You know, if we think back upon the times in our life where we had happiness, I don't think 
they were the times when we're acting the opposite of the precepts. And, you know, so then we have worldly happiness. But then when you think of the happiness that comes in your mind from keeping the precepts, you know, like today the kind of clarity that you have in your mind about about your life and what you want to do. And of course not everything is crystal clear, but some very important things are clear, you know. And these basic, basic ethical values are so important to be clear in our lives because they set the foundation for the happiness of this life, they set the foundation for our Dharma practice, and thus they set the foundation for the happiness of future lives, for liberation, for full enlightenment. And you think about it, you know, the Buddha, you know, the first thing he instructed us on was, was to ethical conduct. And, you know, in the story of the Buddha's life, that's the first thing he did himself. He had that motivation of renunciation of bodhicitta, and then he went forth, and he kept good ethical conduct. So <coughs> keeping the five precepts or eight precepts or, you know, whatever, we are following right behind the Buddha. You know? So it's like we're taking the Buddha as our role model, who we want to become like, and then we're doing what the Buddha did. So you can't go wrong doing that. And I think what's so nice about precepts is when we make up our mind and then, you know, we take the precept in the presence of of our preceptor, in the presence of the three jewels, then when situations happen in our life in which kind of normally our mind would just go bonkers and we would like want to do this, that, or the other thing, then all of a sudden there's clarity in the mind and we realize we've already made the decision about how to act. So we don't need to get confused. Because so much of our life we spend in confusion, don't we? We spend in doubt, should I do this, should I do that, do I do this, do I do that? When, when we take precepts, then we've made some very important decisions and that stops all this doubt and meandering mind. Because if you're ever with somebody and somebody offers you something to drink or smoke, the decision's already been made. There's no reason to get confused. You just say, no, thank you. That's it. It's very simple. You know? Um, Or somebody wants you to lie about something. You know, or get involved in some shady business deal that involves, you know, siphoning off funds or who knows what. And already we've made the decision. Today we're making the decision for how we're going to act in those future circumstances. And so when those things happen, then we already know there's no confusion. We just say no. Yeah. So it, it brings a lot of peace in the mind and it prevents having regret. And so then all that energy that we used to waste in confusion and then in regret now that energy is all freed up to develop love and compassion and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the mind's free of all of that kind of regret and confusion. And the um, precepts work in, in such a strong way to do purification also for, for the negative actions we've done in the past. 
because I was explaining, you know, what the, whenever we do a negative action, well, a positive one too. There's there's four results. Sometimes they say three results, and the one of them is divided into two, but it comes out as four. So there's the maturation result, which is principally the realm you're born into. Then there's the result that corresponds to the cause in terms of um, your ex- the experience, which means whatever you made somebody else experience, then even you're born as a human, you experience that. And then uh, there's the result that corresponds to the cause in terms of the behavior, the habitual behavior. And this is the one that gets purified, you know, because part of the karmic result is, is to, you know, you set up a habit in your mind to do the same thing again because we're creatures of a habit. When we take a precept, we're really setting up a, a dam against that energy, you know? And so that habitual energy to act in a destructive way, you know, there's a real strong barrier to that now. And so that gets purified in quite a strong way. And when you think about it, the worst of the karmic results is that tendency to do the negative action again. You know, because with the other ones, oh, the fourth one was the environmental result. With the other three results, when you experience them, the karma from the previous negative action is just getting used up, finished. But with this other one, the one that corresponds to the result in terms of the behavior, when you have that one, then you're creating more negative karma. So that's, that results the, the real one that gets us, you know. But when we take precepts, we're stopping that. Mm-hmm. So, so much negative karma gets purified, and so much future negative karma gets prevented. So it's really something quite wonderful that that's, um, you know, very good. Because then, you know, when we keep precepts, then when we go to bed at night, we feel peaceful in our hearts. You know, we may have gotten angry or greedy or whatever during the day, but we work that out, you know, in our meditation. But our basic ethical values, you know, these these five precepts, we when we go to bed at night, we rejoice. And we say, I kept my five precepts. You know? And then you rejoice when you go to bed. And then when you wake up in the morning, you wake up feeling really good. Because, you know, sometimes when we do negative actions, then when you go to bed, you feel lousy. When you wake up the next day, you feel even worse. <laughs> so this just is the opposite. You go to bed, you feel good, and you wake up, and you feel good. And then, you know, as you keep the precepts over time, then you really, f- you get this gut feeling from your own experience of what it means to create positive potential or what it means to create um, merit. You know, lots of times at the beginning of the practice we hear about merit, positive potential, or what in the world is that? And, you know, we don't get it. But as you keep the precepts, you know, after a few years, then your life feels like it's grounded and it's based on something that, that's really wholesome. Yeah? We're no longer kind of out there zooming around in space and confusion. But we have a store of positive energy that we've created that, that builds up. And our life rests on that. And then when the time of death comes, 
we rejoice. We can rejoice in a life well lived. And if we're able to die with a sense of <coughs> rejoicing in our life, then, you know, there's refuge there and then um, good karma ripens for the future lives. So it's something that that's, it brings so many benefits, you know. And your relationship with the three jewels just becomes so close and so dear to you. You know, you feel it in your heart and you come back to it every day because after you take refuge, then every morning when you wake up, you take refuge. Every evening before you go to bed, you take refuge. And when you wake up in the morning, you do three prostrations. When you, before you go to bed in the evening, you do three prostrations. So your life is framed, you know, by your spiritual practice. And um, and it just gives so much kind of structure and a good feeling to our lives. And then, of course, we like ourselves, don't we? Because one of our big reasons for not liking ourselves when we get into that mood is because of negative actions we've done. So when we keep precepts, we stop doing those negative actions, so then we abandon the cause of disliking ourselves. Because then every evening when we go to bed, we can say, oh good, you know? I mean, this isn't arrogance, and it's actually something quite important in our spiritual practice. We have to rejoice in our own virtue. We have to be able to go, good, good children, you know, you did something wonderful today, <laughs> yeah? And, and then, you know, we just feel good when we go to bed and good when we wake up. When we die, there's that foundation of virtue that we take with us into the next lives. And then we feel that incredible connection with Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. I remember once when um, I was in a hospital, I, I don't know what I was doing. They're making a hospital visit or something. I can't remember. Maybe going for a test. Anyway. I saw, you know, they were wheeling somebody, somebody down the, the corridor on a gurney, uh, you know, probably going to surgery or something like that. And I thought, wow, probably that person doesn't have any refuge. You know, what do you do with your mind if you're an ordinary being and you have to go for surgery or there's an accident and you have no refuge? Whoa, scary. You know? It's like, what do you do with your mind? Your mind just completely goes, you know? But then if you have refuge, then you just take refuge in the three jewels. Like in the 37 verses, take refuge in the three jewels that will not betray you. You know? And so you have your refuge. Then even, you know, you go into surgery or whatever it is, there's the refuge in in your mind. There's... You know, you trust in the goodness in the universe. Yeah? And when you take refuge, what you're doing, the, the real thing that what you're doing when, when we take refuge is we're practicing the Dharma. Okay? So taking refuge isn't just Buddha, save me. It's Buddha, tell me how to work with my mind. Okay? Here I am in a difficult situation. Um, 911 Buddha! <laughs> you know, what do I do with my mind? And I tell you, I do this all the time. I do my 911s to Buddha. You know, something happens and I'm going, oh, what do I do now? Or, you know, somebody's asking for help and I don't know what to say and I just go, 911 Buddha. 
And, you know, and what comes up is in your mind, you know, because when you've heard a lot of teachings and when you've contemplated those teachings and meditated on those teachings, then what comes up in your mind is you know what you need to do. You know, you know how you need to, what direction to put your mind in, what thought you need to focus your mind on. Yeah? And so that, that dharma that comes in your mind at that time for how to deal with the situation, that's the, the real refuge. Because then when you practice that, then your mind changes and you have some resolution in the, situ- the difficult situation that you're, folk- that you're in the middle of. You know? So sometimes, you know, we might be somewhere and somebody's yelling at us at the top of our lungs. And, you know, our, our usual habitual tendency is either to, you know, run away or smack him in the face or get angry and stuff it or who knows what. But, you know, when you do your 911 to the Buddha because you've taken refuge, then, you know, Buddha says, okay, practice patience. Then you go, okay, what are the teachings on patience? You know, what's the extension number I need to dial for patience? You know, and then you remember working with anger. Oh, yes, yes, oh, yes, um, the other person's suffering. Yeah, or, you know, my, my karma put me in this situation. Don't get mad at them. Or, you know, we remember one of the teachings that we've heard about how to, to work with anger and when people are criticizing us. And we remember that, and then we steer our mind in that direction as best as we can. And so that's practicing Dharma. Right then and there in the situation, it's practicing the Dharma. Even we can't do it in the situation, even if at that time our mind is just going, you know, when we come home, we sit down and we remember all of that. We start to practice. So your relationship, you really begin to feel the presence of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha in your life. You know, not like the Buddha is something physical, you know, there. But you know, you see that there's some the Buddha in your heart. The Buddha's on top of your head. You can, you know, kind of uh, ask for Dharma instructions whenever you want. I remember one time um, I was in North Carolina. That's this Dharma saying. I don't know, there had been, oh, there's been this really ugh, situation, which I won't bore you with. Um, but I was really upset about something somebody did and something somebody said and, and everything. And my mind was just, nah. And, and then I just kind of uh, did a 911 to my teacher. You know, it's like, what do I do? And I kind of just heard, like Lama Yeshe used to say to us, keep it simple, dear. <laughs> you know, he used to give these kind of pith instructions. You know. <laughs> keep it simple, dear. And I realized my mind had not been keeping it simple. My mind was like making this, you know, horror story extravaganza. <laughs> and so then when I just like, okay, keep it simple. Let's drop all of that. Then the mind got peaceful. So you develop that kind of closeness in your life where you can really call out when when you need help. Okay. So um, when you take the refuge, 
there are refuge precepts to keep, which I'll read over uh, at the end, uh, but they're also explained in more depth in Taming the Mind. There's a chapter there on refuge, which I encourage you to read. And they're in the blue book, so I encourage you, you know, to go through those. And, and also, uh, what's very good to do is twice a month to read your refuge guidelines, go over your precepts, you know, do some special purification, some special kind of pondering about how you did, and renew your intention for the next two weeks. So you can do it on new and full moon days, or if it's hard for you to remember those days, then do it on the, you know, 15th and the 30th of every month, or however you want to do it. But um, that, that's a very good practice to kind of renew things. Okay? And then regarding the precepts, it's good if you understand um, the, uh, the meaning, like what constitutes a root break and what constitutes just an infraction. If, if we commit a root break, then you know we damage the, the ordination, the lay ordination. If we, um, and we still need to purify. If you commit an infraction, you, you know, you haven't destroyed or damaged the ordination. There's still need of pure purification. Okay. Um, so the one with killing is uh, the root break is if you kill a human being, and you have the intention to kill them, and you know who you want to kill and you've identified them properly so you don't mistake who it is. You have a, um, a negative mental state in your mind. You do the action or you tell somebody else to do it. You feel good about it afterwards and the other person dies before you do. Okay? So that, that would be like a complete root break. So you can see that's quite different than stepping on an ant accidentally, isn't it? Yeah, so you know we have we have to be. That's why the Buddha set up these different things. You know, let's focus on the important, most important thing, and stop that. You know, <laughs> and then we'll kind of work backwards from there instead of getting worried about the ants and then not paying any attention to how we're treating human beings. Okay. Um, Still, it's good to pay attention to where we walk, but you know what I'm getting at. We're, you know, that was an accident with the end. Okay, with stealing, it is, again, with an intention. You know what the object is that you want to steal. You've identified it properly. There's a negative motivation of ignorance, anger, and attachment in your mind. Um, you take the object, or you have it stolen. You know, or even you're, it's not something that can be physically moved. You do the legal things in order to change the ownership to yourself, and then you think now it's mine. So you've completed the act, saying now it's mine, and it ha- the object has to be something of value in the society where you live, such that the uh, police would get involved. Okay, so it's. You know. Okay, then the one about unwise or unkind sexual relationships. Um, so this is using sexuality unwisely or unkindly. Okay, so the way I'm giving this may be a little bit different than how other people give it because 
I'm not get, getting so I don't want to get so bogged down in the details as as much as the what I consider this one is is like sexual first um, sex that is that uh, is not protected if there's a danger of sexually transmitted diseases either to you or to the other person so I think that's unwise don't you mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> so not using protection when it's it's needed and then unkind sexual behavior would be using the other person for our own sexual gratification without really caring about them okay so I would include kind of one night events in that category you, you, know, you met somebody you don't care much want some pleasure and that's it okay um, so or any kind of sexual contact where, contact where you're really you know using using somebody and don't really care about their emotional state afterwards you know because in sex people get emotionally attached and then if we just say oh well who cares you know uh, people can can be hurt by that Okay, and then the the fourth one, um, oh, so that one, the uh, one for sex, I think breaking it from the root would entail if you're in a relationship going outside of your relationship, or if you are not in a relationship, you go with somebody who is. Okay, because I think that's kind of the the heaviest of the unkind unwise behavior because that really affects families and a, a you know quite a number of people there then the one for lying to break it from the root it it has to be a lie about our spiritual attainments you know so uh, even if we don't say it ourselves somebody else says oh you must have realized emptiness and we go mm-hmm. you know kind of going along with it yeah, or just for whatever reason, we lie about our spiritual attainments for self-gain. Yeah, so that's really detrimental to ourselves and to other people. Yeah, so we should abandon all the other lies too. But this is the one in particular that makes us break the the vow from the root. So again, it's an intentional lie, and there's a negative state of mind and. We say the words or we lead somebody through our actions to believe that we have spiritual attainments that we don't have. And then the other person believes it and we're glad. Okay. Then the one for intoxicants, because that's not a naturally negative action, that doesn't have a um, one of breaking it from the root. Yeah. Um, but the way I give the one an intoxicant, it's not one drop. And then that's very easy. Yeah, not one drop. Easy. Okay. So, you know, sometimes um, people say, well, what about putting wine in food? Well, technically speaking, the wine has been cooked out, if it's been cooked. But... I think in a way it's better still to avoid that because if you taste the wine and the food, the desire to drink may come and you don't want that for yourself. So that wouldn't technically be a break of the precept because there's no alcohol, 
but it's an unwise thing to do because it could lead you closer, you know, closer. It, it's being, it would be like being in a room with a bunch of people smoking dope and you don't smoke and say, well, I'm not getting intoxicated. Of course, you're going, <laughs> you know, for all the, the side smoke. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, you don't want to kind of do that because that just, you know, not one puff, not one drop, not one anything. Okay, it's just so simple. Yeah. Now, some of you are taking the celibacy precept. What the celibacy precept is to break that one from the root, then that is um, if there's penetration, the depth of a hair. And it doesn't matter into what orifice it is. You know, if you're a man or a woman or whatever. You know, if you're being penetrated, you penetrate somebody else. It doesn't matter, you know, mouth, anus, vagina, who knows what. The depth of the hair, okay? So, better not get close to that, <laughs> okay? Um, and so this is in regards to heterosexual behavior and homosexual behavior. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, okay. Then the ones about... Um, uh, singing, dancing, playing music. Okay, so it's yourself singing or going to for entertainment, um, playing music yourself or going for entertainment. If you're in a store and they're playing music, then you know that you can't go around in the store like this. So that's not breaking the precept. You're not going there. You know, hopefully, you're not going to Safeway to listen to the music. Um, okay. Um, okay, dancing um, and entertainment. You know, so that could be you know sports. It could be you know all sorts of TV entertainment, whatever. If it's a documentary for the sake of education, that's fine because that's not entertainment. I've had situations where I've been at interfaith uh, programs, and it is, um, and people are chanting something together. Now, I will not chant something that has words in it expressing meanings that I don't believe in. Okay, so I won't chant any prayers that are interfaith about God or Jesus or you know, this kind of stuff, okay? But then sometimes there might be certain chants that express just, you know, an ethical principle or a feeling of love and kindness. Um, there, there's one uh, there's one psalm or something, because I know that I sing it sometimes in Jewish circles, about the plowshares, no, aren't, what is it, weapons turning into plowshares or... You know, Bible study was not my expertise, but you know, so, something that wasn't about the the theology, but it just expressed a nice meaning in that kind of thing. If it's an interfaith gathering and they're asking everybody to participate, then I'll sing in that situation. Okay, happy birthday, I won't. Yeah. So, um, you know, you just kind of sit there and look around and. You, People don't care if you sing happy birthday or not anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, and then sitting on high or expensive seats or beds. 
So, uh, like I said, it's usually a cubit, but, um, you know, here I'm sitting on this for the sake of the Dharma, you know. If my mind is thinking I'm better than everybody else, then I shouldn't be sitting here. Okay? If we sit on a chair in our society, you know, usually that's okay. Nobody goes on ego trips because it's a a high chair. but if, you know, you do, then better not. If you're sleeping on the top of the bunk bed and looking down on everybody and thinking thinking you're better than them, then maybe better to sleep on the lower bunk. Um, but other than that, it's, it's more a thing of, you know, I want to sit in an expensive seat and a very nice, comfortable seat and a beautiful seat. Something where I'm going to be special. And then, you know, our arrogance kind of comes up. And then, um, okay, yeah, and then the one about eating food at improper times, here it's eating after midday, solid food after midday. You can take um, things that are diluted, like tea with milk, but not a whole glass of milk, okay, so stuff like that. Okay, anybody have questions? Yeah. Uh, with the singing. Uh huh. Sometimes our minds are so perpetuated in that. that I notice I, I try not to, but sometimes it starts happening and I catch myself real quickly. Mm. But how does that work as far as the precepts? Okay, so if it's. If you've taken the, that precept not to have singing, and then in your mind, you know. The cha-cha is going on, (laughs) the waltz, Beethoven's symphony, or the latest rap music. Um, (laughs) Yeah, whatever it is, it's going on in your mind. Or even TV jingles from when you were three years old. Who knows what comes in this mind. Um, Then, uh, you know, it's not coming out of your mind, so you're not yet singing. So you want to definitely stop that. So it's best, what I find helpful at that time, is start chanting mantra out loud. Because if I do it out loud, that overpowers the, the melody of whatever it was going on in my mind. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Everybody's ready? Okay. So we kind of have three different things going on. You know, we have that. uh, You don't have to kneel quite yet, Diane. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because we have the five lay precepts. Then we have the five lay precepts with celibacy. And then we have the eight precepts with celibacy. So I'm thinking what we'll do is... Everybody will do the five lay precepts, okay, and we'll do that. Then after that, we will do it again for the people who are taking it with celibacy, okay? And then after that, we'll do it again for you who's taking the eight, okay? Because what, what you repeat after me is the same, is well, not the same. It's almost the same, except at the end, you're, you know, you're going to say, as a Buddhist who maintains five precepts, 
or is a Buddhist who maintains five precepts plus celibacy or is a Buddha who maintains celibacy plus eight precepts you know that the end of what you repeat after me will be a little bit different each time okay and then there's another verse that you say where you uh, again kind of um, say the 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 precepts uh, and you do that one time you repeat that after me so that's a little bit different according to to what precepts you've done so we'll just do the ceremony many times okay <laughs> okay so um, the important thing is uh, you know really have a very deep wish to free yourself from cyclic existence and to become a Buddha and free all sentient beings from cyclic existence. And just hold that as the long-term um, motivation and purpose of your life and of all your lives. Yeah, because it's the most noble, most wonderful thing you could ever um, aspire for. And then in the space in front, imagine the Buddha and his body is made of golden light. And you're not, it's not just a statue, it's a real living being. And the Buddha is surrounded by a lot of other Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and Arhats. And they're all looking at you and they are so happy that you're taking refuge in precepts. So if the Buddha weren't seated on his lotus flower, he would be jumping up and down in the light. So you're taking refuge in the precepts. Because the Buddha's main wish is for us to have happiness in its causes. And so when the Buddhas see us creating the causes for happiness, then that's, you know, the best thing that could ever happen to them. And then do three prostrations and kneel down. visualization of the Buddha and although you're repeating this after me think that you're repeating it after the Buddha because that will really um, make your connection very close in your hands at your heart Venerable please pay attention to me from now until the end of my life I named and then say your name take refuge in the Buddha the supreme amongst human beings I take refuge in the Dharma the supreme abandonment of attachment I take refuge in the Sangha 
the Supreme Assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist who maintains the five precepts. That's the first repetition. We'll do it two more times. Venerable, please pay attention to me. From now until the end of my life, I named take refuge in the Buddha, the supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma, the supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha, the supreme assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist who maintains the five precepts. That's the second repetition. The end of the third repetition, when I snap my fingers, then you really concentrate and you imagine so much light coming from the Buddha into you. And this light is the nature of the refuge, the nature of very pure precepts. And so you feel this, this light just fill you up. And then you make a conscious, you have a conscious thought now I've received the five pure precepts. Venerable, please pay attention to me. From now until the end of my life, I named take refuge in the Buddha, the supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma, the supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha, the supreme assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist who maintains the five precepts. Concentrate. say this is the method, meaning this is the method for practicing towards liberation, then you say very good. This is the method. Then you repeat after me. We'll go through the five precepts now. Um, Preceptor, please pay attention to me. Just as the arhats abandon killing and turn away from killing, as long as they live, I named from now until the end of my life will also abandon killing and turn away from killing. With this first branch, that means the first precept, I will learn from, emulate, and follow the way of the arhats. Furthermore, just as arhats abandon stealing, unwise or unkind sexual relationships, lying, intoxicants, 
I named, I named from, uh, for the rest of my life, will also abandon stealing, unwise or unkind sexual relationships, lying, and intoxicants. With these five branches, I will learn from, emulate, and follow the way of the Arhats. This is the method. And then um, you should make three prostrations. ceremony says, I'm not saying this, the ceremony says you should now say the precious pre- preceptor is very kind. Precious precious precept 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 is very kind. Okay, good. Okay. Oh, I'm supposed to sprinkle flowers now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so now... Um, um, everybody sit, uh, except the people who are doing the five precepts with celibacy, okay? And you, you sit for this time because we need to do this one. Um, and make three more prostrations and then kneel down. Again, though you're saying it after me, then you're saying it after the Buddha. Venerable, please pay attention to me. Venerable, please pay attention to me. From now on until the end of my life. From now on until the end of my life. I named. I named Take refuge in the Buddha. Take refuge in the Buddha. The supreme amongst human beings. The supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Dharma. The supreme abandonment of attachment. The supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha. I take refuge in the Sangha. The supreme assembly. The supreme assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Who maintains the five precepts and celibacy. Who maintains the five precepts and celibacy. Okay, that's the first repetition. Do it two more times. Venerable, please pay attention to me. From now until the end of my life, I named, take refuge in the Buddha, 
the supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma. The supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha. The supreme assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Who maintains the five precepts and celibacy. Then after the third repetition, I snap my fingers, and again you really focus and you experience the light from the Buddhas coming into you, and you make a very clear, you know, conscious thought. Now I've received the the five pure precepts plus celibacy, and feel really happy. Venerable, please pay attention to me. From now until the end of my life, I named, take refuge in the Buddha, the supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma, the supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha, the supreme assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist who maintains the five precepts and celibacy. Okay, so now concentrate. is the method. Preceptor, please pay attention to me. Just as our hearts abandon killing and turn away from killing as long as they live, I named from now until the end of my life will also abandon killing and turn away from killing. With this first branch, I will learn from, emulate, and follow the way of the arhats. Furthermore, just as arhats abandon stealing, sexual relationships, lying, and intoxicants, I named for the rest of my life will also abandon stealing sexual relationships, lying, and intoxicants. With these five branches, I will learn from, emulate, and follow the way of the arhats. This is the method. Great. Make three more frustrations.
you remember what you're supposed to say now? <laughs> it's the precious preceptor. <laughs> okay. Venerable, please pay attention to me. Venerable, please pay attention to me. From now until the end of my life. From now until the end of my life. I named. I named Frederick Brown. Take refuge in the Buddha. Take refuge in the Buddha. The supreme amongst human beings. The supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Dharma. The supreme abandonment of attachment. The supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha. I take refuge in the Sangha. The supreme assembly. The Supreme Assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Who has celibacy and the eight precepts. Who has celibacy and the eight precepts. Venerable, please pay attention to me. Venerable, please pay attention to me. I, um, from now until the end of my life. From now until the end of my life. I named. I mean, take refuge in the Buddha. Take refuge in the Buddha. The supreme amongst human beings. The supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Dharma. The supreme abandonment of attachment. The supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha. I take refuge in the Sangha. The supreme assembly. The supreme assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Who maintains celibacy and the eight precepts. Who maintains celibacy and the eight precepts. Okay, and then at the end of the third repetition, you really concentrate. And then so much light comes from the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and Arhats into you. And it's the nature of the precepts. And you really make a strong determination. Now I receive the eight pure precepts of celibacy. Venerable, please pay attention to me. Venerable, please pay attention to me. From now until the end of my life. From now until the end of my life. I named. I named Frederick Brown. Take refuge in the Buddha. Take refuge in the Buddha. The supreme amongst human beings. The supreme amongst human beings. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Dharma. The supreme abandonment of attachment. The supreme abandonment of attachment. I take refuge in the Sangha. I take refuge in the Sangha. The supreme assembly. The Supreme Assembly. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Venerable, please care for me as a Buddhist. Who maintains celibacy in the eight precepts. Who maintains celibacy in the eight precepts.
This is the method. Very good. Preceptor, please pay attention to me. Preceptor, please pay attention to me. Just as our hearts abandon killing. Just as our hearts abandon killing. And turn away from killing. And turn away from killing. As long as they live. As long as they live. I named. I named Frederick Brown. From now until the end of my life. From now until the end of my life. Will also abandon killing. Will also abandon killing. And turn away from killing. And turn away from killing. With this first branch, with this first branch, I will learn from, I will learn from, emulate, emulate, and follow the way of the arhats. And follow the way of the arhats. Furthermore, just as arhats abandon stealing, furthermore, just as arhats abandon stealing, sexual relationships, sexual relationships, lying, lying, intoxicants, intoxicants, performing or listening to music, performing or listening to music, song. Dance, dance and entertainment, and entertainment. Wearing, garlands and ornaments, wearing garlands and ornaments, using perfume and cosmetics, using perfume and cosmetics sitting on higher expensive seats or beds, eating at an improper time, I named, I named Frederick Brown. For the rest of my life, will also abandon stealing, will also abandon stealing sexual, relationships, sexual relationships, lying, lying intoxicants, intoxicants, performing or listening to music, performing or listening to music song, song, dance, dance and, entertainment, and entertainment, wearing garlands and ornaments, wearing garlands and ornaments using perfume and cosmetics, using perfume and cosmetics sitting on higher expensive seats or beds, Sitting on high or expensive seats or beds. Eating at an improper time. Eating at an improper time. With these eight branches. With these eight branches. I will learn from. I will learn from. Emulate. Emulate. And follow the way of the arhats. And follow the way of the arhats. This is the method. Very good. Three prostrations.